Let's read Romans 8, 28 to 29. And we know And then we go to Ephesians 4, uh, starting with verse 13, but let's read verse 11 just the same. And he gave some as apostles. And finally, Colossians 1.28. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we're here and not anywhere else where there's no chance for us to know you and feel you and, and experience you. We just want to thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. For because of him, we will not be here. If not for him, rather, Lord, we will not be here. And because of him, we are experiencing what the beautiful life that we're experiencing. And we cannot take that for granted, O oh Lord. We're here this morning because we would like you to, Lord, teach us how you want us to live so that we can really experience the fullness of life that you promised us. Lord, your Son, Jesus Christ, came to give us the abundant life. Your Son came to save us from death and bring us to life. That is the truth. And we pray, Father, that that truth will become so real in our lives that the lives that we live will be so abundant that the people around us will see that there is a good and great God so, Father, I pray that you speak to us this morning and allow your spirit to open our hearts, our minds, so that we will really accept your word as they come and apply them in our lives. Lord, I commit myself to you. I can't do this. Teach your people apart from your spirit. So, Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. For we commit this in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. Sit down. Happy New Year. Did you have a good celebration and a wonderful celebration of the New Year? Yeah, good. Um, and I would like to start by wishing you a blessed 2014 to you all. Now, what do people do, Bobby? At the end of the year that was passed and at the beginning of the year coming in, what do people usually do? Huh? Denise mentioned it in passing earlier. What do people do? They come up with New Year's resolution, right? Why do people come up with New Year's resolution, do you think? Do you have New Year's resolution? I have, I have last year, you know, uh, last year, at the start of last year, I made five New Year's resolution, and I kept them. I really kept them throughout the year in my computer. <laughs> I don't know with you, you know, did you make New Year's resolution this year? Ulrich, did you? Ulrich's New Year's resolution has got to do with golf, I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> you know, there's something about New Year's resolution. Um, we make them, and then in no time, we break them. <laughs> yes or no? Do you agree? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know why, and I, I'd like to address that somehow this morning as it relates to our Christian life. Because this, this has got to change. You know, we, 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 we plan to do something good, but we end up not doing them. You know? 
and it doesn't sound right. So, you know, some New Year's resolution, for example, Let, let's take a look at some New Year's resolution, just for you to understand the dynamics of making New Year's resolution. For those who are constantly worrying about their weight, look at, look at this New Year's resolution. In 2010, this person said, I will follow a diet till I get below 200, obviously 200 pounds, right? And then in 2011, he said, I'll be realistic about my weight. Hmm. In 2012, he said, I will work out five days a week. And then in 2013, I will work out three days a week. Do you see the progress? Right? It's, it's like carbon dating. It's the same thing, but just the date changes. Right? And it's just losing out of steam. In 2014, I will try to drive past a gym at least once a week. Okay? What about, what about those uh, with money issues, okay? In 2009, I will not spend my money frivolously. That's nice. In 2010, I will pay off my bank loans promptly. 2011, I will be totally out of debt by 2012. Hmm. 2012, I will try to be out of debt by 2012. Okay? Sorry, 2013, I will pay off the debt Interest by 2014. Interest na lang babayaran niya. By 2014, I will be out of the country by that time. Okay. <laughs> Do you notice how year-on-year -year resolutions become less and less resolute? Do you understand what I'm saying? We start out with a passion, with a bang, and end up with a whimper. See? She agrees. After getting a haircut, she agrees, okay? There was a principal in high school who, you know, called all of his teachers to make New Year's resolution and submit it to him. And then he decided to post them on the bulletin board for everyone to see, okay? And when all the teachers were there, there, was, there they, were, they were all enjoying. And all of a sudden, there was one teacher who made a commotion. He was complaining. He said, she said, why is my New Year's resolution not up there? All right. So the principal got worried and said, what's going on? Did I miss something? So the principal rushed to, her, to his office and looked at his desk. And lo and behold, there was one there that was left behind. It was the New Year's resolution of that teacher who was making a what? Temper tantrum. He was making a commotion because she was complaining, my New Year's resolution is not there. So the, the principal picked up this New Year's resolution and read it. And look what he found out, okay? The teacher's first New Year resolution said this. This is the first. Not to let little things upset her in the New Year. Okay? You know, I mean, we make it, and the very next thing, what do we do? We break it. Mm -hmm. Sounds familiar? There was this guy who decided to stop smoking, okay? Who stopped smoking? Who stopped smoking? Okay, how of you? Some smoking here, okay? <laughs> in the new year. And then, but you know, in the new year party, he asked his friend, Can you give me one cigarette? And then the friend said, Oh, I thought you had, you, I thought you quit as part of your new year's resolution. And this guy said, Yes, uh, but I'm in the process of quitting. Right now, I'm in the middle of phase one. He said, Phase one? What is phase one? And then the guy said, phase one is, I have to quit buying. All right? I mean, we, we put so many parameters in our resolution that we end up not doing anything at all. Conclusion, New Year's resolutions almost always are doomed to fail. Therefore, you go to plan B. We always have plan B, don't we? Right? Option A. Lose weight. Option B, buy a bigger basket. Okay? That's what we always do. We always try to make do with whatever the reality is and adjust to that reality. You know, but not George. Where's George? Okay? You know, George came up with this wonderful New Year's resolution. There he is. And, you know, he says less and more. You know, this is George, okay? 
less talking, more listening. Isn't that nice? Huh? Very Christ-like, no? Right? Less television, more reading. Wow. Less, sorry, less planning, more doing. Less soda, more water. Less being connected, more putting the phone down. Less junk food, more fruits and vegetables. You know, I can go on and on. Less weakness, more confidence. Less ignorance, more understanding. Less of the world, more of God. Nice one, George. All right. The opposite of this is Maribiks, okay? Maribik is more of and then the less of. No, I'm just kidding, okay? I'm sure they're sharing this together. You know, the conclusion I get is we start with very nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, she, he was complaining about more and the dad said less. So New Year's resolutions almost always are bound to fail. But you know what? This morning, I would like to offer a proposition for all of us and ask you, this time, not as ordinary people, but as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ specifically, to have a resolution. Is that okay? And by the way, uh, uh, to, the group, to the discussion group leaders, a heads up. We will have a discussion group today, okay, as a follow-up to this uh, message. And just to give you a heads up, so uh, forgive me if I didn't give you a warning, but we will have a discussion after this about this message. So I will start by, you know, this statement. As followers of Christ, meaning as Christ's commission fellowship, what ought to be our resolution? Think about it. And I would like us to really embrace this starting today and hopefully for the rest of our lives. Hopefully for the rest of our lives. As CCF, Christ Commission Fellowship, we are about what? Oh, good. Discipleship. That word came out so easily. You know why? Because we kept Pounding and pounding and pounding it. But unfortunately, as we keep pounding and pounding and pounding it, there is still not much proof that many of us have understood it. Yes or no? You know, I'm sure you're sitting there and say, we keep hearing the word discipleship, but you know what? I, re I really wish somebody can show it to me firsthand so that we know exactly what that means. And you know what? That's our commitment to you. But we will not stop saying discipleship because that's what we are about. You know, we are about discipleship that we even make a mistake about putting the verse here. Right? This is supposed to be verse 19 and 20. Okay? So correction. Okay? This is about discipleship. Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. I'm sure that is not so clear with us yet, but I hope that this is going to be the beginning of understanding it very clearly and then embracing it to become part of our life's resolution. Does that make sense? Give me a feedback. If it, you know. it, it, it's not clear yet, but I hope that as we embrace it and start talking more about it, and implementing it and doing it, it will become clear. At CCF, we are about discipleship. And this is what we're saying, to make loving, committed followers of Christ, who will make loving, committed followers of Christ, to the third and the fourth generation in obedience to the Great Commission. This is the Great Commission. So you are first, or we are first, you are second, then somebody will come forward to be the third, and then there will be people who will come to be the fourth. You see the, 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 the process here? It's like a multi-level thing, but this is for God. That is what we talk about as 
the CCF mission, to make loving, committed followers of Christ. Meaning, to be disciples, you and me, who will make disciples. So, you look at each other and say, you will make disciples. Come on, say it. You will make disciples. <laughs> the young people, come on, frame. Mention that. You will make disciples. Tell, tell Nate. <laughs> That's what we want to happen. And we would like to encourage you to say that to each other every now and then. What about being a disciple should be our resolve? So, you and I are supposed to be disciples who will make disciples. But what about being a disciple should be our resolve? It is in the definition of what a disciple is. And I hope you'll pick it up. A disciple that you is a believer of Jesus Christ who is in a lifelong process. Again, this is not going to happen tomorrow. It's a lifelong process of what? Of what? Of being built up in the faith Towards what? Christ-likeness. Towards Christ-likeness for the purpose of spiritual multiplication resulting in the glory of God. Right. So, if CCF is about discipleship, then our resolution has got something to do with this definition of discipleship. A process of building up in the faith towards Christ-likeness for the purpose of spiritual multiplication. Having said that, our resolution as disciples of Christ, I would even like to strike out CCF LA Day because this applies to every Christian. This applies to every disciple. Our resolution should be something like this, and I hope that you will write it down or even commit it to memory. It says, to grow in Christ-likeness year after year so that I will eventually have disciples who will do the same. That's pretty clear, isn't it? To grow in Christ-likeness, because that's discipleship, year after year so that I will eventually have disciples who will do the same. So, as CCF followers of Christ, as followers of Christ and as Christians, the question that I have for us when it comes to this resolution is this. I want you to ask this question yourself. Am I more Christ-like today, January 2014, than before? You know, we have been together for like almost two years for the most of us. Yes or no? And the question that we would like to focus on now as people who are committed to discipleship is this. Am I more Christ-like today, 2014, than I was? And the follow-up question is, in what specific areas have I grown Christ-like? Wow, you know? Or have I deteriorated? <laughs> As a matter of fact, you know, I have become more and more of myself, my old self, rather than my new self. Denise shared with us 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, new things have come. You know, that new things refer to Christ-likeness. So how much more Christ-like are you today and in what areas? Or have you deteriorated? As a matter of fact, I want you to rate yourself. You know, put a number, scale of 1 to 10. Come on, get a ball pen or, you know, get, put it on your iPhone. Rate yourself. Scale of 1 to 10 of how Christ-like are you today versus yesterday or versus last year. 1 to 10. 10 being most Christ-like. Wow, 10. Many of you, you know, many of you cannot even relate to it. Many of you are looking at me blank stare. And I don't blame you. Maybe it's our fault. 
because we have not explained this very clearly. You know? Pastor Danny, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I don't even understand what you're talking about. And then I will rate myself. You know? I don't even, I don't even understand what Christ-likeness means. You know? Uh, you know, really, that's good. At least we can begin somewhere. But really, Christ-like. Do you know how Christ looks like? Do you know how Christ, if Christ were to live today, you will know how he will live? And if we are going to copy him, how close are we in copying him? And if we are to rate ourselves from 1 to 10, how close are we to copying Christ in the way we live? 1 being worse, 10 being most Christ-like. And like I said, many of you will probably say, uh, Pastor Dan, uh, you know, I never knew in the first place that I'm supposed to be Christ-like. You know, uh, all I know is that I, I'm, a, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. And that's enough for me. For many Christians, it's, that's enough, right? They're going to heaven anyway. But you know, I never, I, nobody even told me that I'm supposed to be Christ-like and behaving like Christ-like. Oh, really? Yeah, and you know, I have good news for you. This message is for you. Because if nobody told you that you and I are supposed to be Christ-like, then I, I'm telling you right now, the Bible tells us that we are supposed to be Christ-like. You know, God created you for a purpose. God saved you for a reason. And you ought to know that as Christians. And if we don't know that, we have a problem. You know, uh, John Calvin said, John Calvin said, all who are ignorant of the purpose for which they live are fools and madmen. Ouch. You know, uh, many of you, of course, have your own reason for living, right? I mean, you know, one, many of you would, came, up, came up with your life's purpose. I want to be successful. I want to be a millionaire. I want to get married. I want to have children, and then I will die, right? That's a purpose, isn't it? But, you know, this guy is saying, you know, if you have, if you have a purpose, that's good. And, you know, you're, you will not be a fool and you will not be a madman. But imagine if you are going through life as if life is just life and then you die and then that's it. This guy is saying, sorry for you. You're a fool. Conversely, meaning if you know your life's purpose... That what, what will that make you? That will make you a wise person, isn't it? That will make you a wise person, and as a matter of fact, you are excellent. You know, having a clear purpose in your life is good. But not just a purpose per se, but hopefully the right purpose. The purpose-driven life. How many of you have read the book, The Purpose-Driven Life? You know, what on earth am I here for? is the question that's being posed to us. And this question I'm posing to all of you again, to all of us as a matter of fact. You know, the, 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 the opposite of knowing, or of not knowing your purpose is knowing your purpose and therefore it will make you an excellent person. I would like to ask this question and I came up with this definition myself and I hope you will indulge me, okay? When or how does one become excellent? You're an excellent man. Oh, this, this, this computer is excellent. Oh, this place is excellent. Oh, this jacket is excellent. When does one become excellent, you think? I came up with a certain def definition of what excellent means. And it is this. One is regarded as excellent when one functions solely and fully according to the purpose for which it was designed and created. Does that make sense to you? You know, it will become excellent only when it functions solely and fully according to the purpose for which it was created. Imagine a barber, a barbero, Hindi yung bolero, ah. a barber, tagaputol ng buhok. Okay, imagine a barber using 
tweezers to cut your hair. All right? You can kill that barber, right? You know? But imagine a barber using the right tool cutting your hair. Right? The tweezer is not excellent for hair cutting because a tweezer is designed for doing something else. Whereas if the barber were to use hair scissors and razors specially for that purpose, you will have a haircut like this. Okay? And that barber is dead now, by the way. Okay? Because he started using tweezers. You know? What do you say to a praise and worship? When do, why do you say that the praise and worship team of CCFLA is excellent? Do you, do you hear my question? When do you say, or what, when do you say that the CCF LA Praise and Worship is excellent? When they put good people in front who use their gift to sing, right? Can you imagine if they put me here in front? What kind of excellent praise and worship? What, Leah, why are you clapping your hand again? Okay, I only have one fan, Leah, okay? And you know, Pastor in Song will create a lousy praise and worship team if they put me there. Okay, but if they put you the right people who can sing, like Denise, like Jackie, like Jonah, okay, then it will be excellent because they were gifted and they were being used for the right purpose. You know, my next question is this What happens when one is used for a purpose other than it was designed and created by its maker? You know. What will happen? For example, if you use your iPhone to drive a nail against the wall, what do you think will happen to the iPhone? It will be destroyed, right? Not only will you not accomplish the work to do, but the iPhone will be destroyed. Imagine using your 70-inch wide HDTV for dartboard. Okay. Right? I mean, of course, I'm exaggerating. I'm giving you extremes here to make a point, right? As Christians, we need to know our purpose. As Christians, we need to understand how God designed us. As Christians, we need to understand the maker and how he intended us to function, right? Because if we go about life, not doing the purpose for which the Creator made us, what do you think will happen to us? Just like the iPhone getting destroyed, just like the TV getting destroyed, you and I can be destroyed. Just try to use a vacuum cleaner to dry your hair. You know, I'm trying to make a point here, guys, okay? You know, if that, if that doesn't drive home the point, then I'm really, really failing as a communicator. You know, if you use something for not intended for what it is, it will be destroyed. And the same thing is true for us Christians. If we go through our lives functioning not the way God intended us to function, believe me, you can go haywire and your life will be wasted. And this new year, I would like us to have a resolve to know exactly what God's purpose is for us. And I'm going to get there. Okay? What will happen to them? Basically, they can malfunction and eventually get destroyed. In fact, not only will they be destroyed, they can cause collateral damage and influence and impact other people who are just bystanders. Yes or no? Right. Now, as Christians, spe specifically as disciples of Christ, what is this God's design and purpose for us? To come on Sunday and hear the message? Yeah, fine. To go to Bible studies? That's fine. But, but you know, what is it? You know, some people, in fact, have different ideas of God's purpose for Christians. You know, like this.
they, they go together in parties and they put, I don't know, spoon in their mouth, okay? I don't even understand. And they call this a Christian gathering. I, I don't know who these people are, okay? Look at them, okay? I think, I think they discovered that God's purpose for them is to party and put a spoon in their mouth, okay? There's another group that, you know, that's just so party-oriented, okay? And, you know, uh, some, some people actually appeared twice. They appeared in the first picture, and they still appeared here. And you begin to wonder whether their, their purpose as a Christian really is to attend parties, okay? I mean, it's really, is that all there is? Some people, they don't attend parties, yes, but they indulge in overeating also, okay? All you can eat, no? Eat them all? I mean, uh, these guys, uh, tapos, meron pang isa dyan, ayaw bumitaw, party na naman, okay? Uh, walang tigil, okay? Naglalagay pa ng salamin dito na nakalagay, hindi ko mabasa kung ano yun. No, I'm just, guys, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding, because the reason why I'm stating this is because I missed all of those parties. I should have been there, okay? You know, but you know, guys, is, is this all there is? You know, I know, it's part of it, but of course I'm exaggerating. I know you're not this, but there's a tendency that we can be misled. Sana, tulad nyo, ganito ako, ito ginagawa ko palagi, nagdadasal ako. Habang kayo nagpapati, nagdadasal ako. Yan ang Christian. Yan ang alam niya yung purpose niya. Okay? Hindi naglalagay pa ng chupon dito. Okay? Bayan? Okay? Nah, just kidding guys. Seriously, as Christians, specifically as disciples of Christ, what is God's design and purpose for us? I will go back to the definition of discipleship. It's a lifelong process of being built up in the faith towards Christ's likeness for the purpose of spiritual multiplication. Christ-likeness. 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 Romans 8.28 says, this is God's design and purpose for us. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Look at verse 29. For those whom He foreknew, he also predestined to what? To become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. God's purpose for us is very clear. Listen, listen. God's purpose for us is very clear, pure and simple. He wants us to become Christ-like, period. Did you know that every aspect of life, in every aspect of life, except sinning, okay, except sinning, deliberately sinning, you know when you're sinning, and I'm telling you, every single aspect of life, except sinning, there is a chance for Christ-likeness, yes or no? Even when you're cleaning or vacuuming, whatever you're doing, even if you're washing clothes, there is an opportunity for Christ-likeness, yes or no? So, does that mean that hindi ka napapalabahin ni Jenny? You know? You know, pag pinalaba ka ni Jenny, maglaba ka dyan. Yes. Yung reaction mo, oh, kagawin ko yun. Sipag talaga. You know? Lilinising ko pa yan. Okay? Christ-like. Pag hindi ka Christ-like, magdadabog ka eh. You know? Padabog eh. Laba ka dyan. Laba ka sarili mo. Okay? You know? I mean, every single thing that we do, Alright? Even putting that spoon into our mouth. Can you be Christ-like? Yes or no? Yes. If you keep putting that spoon 100 times, <laughs> instead of only two times because you are conscious of your health, then you're not being Christ-like if you abuse. Every single aspect of our lives can be Christ-like. That's why God said, my intention for you, the reason why I saved you, the reason why I created you. By the way, when God created us before sin, 
in the, in, in the garden, God's purpose for us is already to have a perfect, abundant life. But when sin came into the picture, what happened? The Christ-likeness that he intended, the, 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 godly, the godly life that he was intending for us was destroyed because sin came into the picture, right? And then the rest was history. Every single one of us became what? Selfish, prideful, okay, sensitive. Me, 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 me. That's what happened to us. That's why when Christ came into the world and said, I'm saving you, I, will write, I would like to reverse that. I don't like you thinking about yourself. I would want you to start being Christ-like because Christ-likeness is all about selflessness and it's all about humility. And there's Christ-likeness in every aspect of our, Christ, of our lives and you better know it. Image of his son. Image of his son. So what's the maker's purpose for us? Here it is. In Colossians 1.28, okay, <clears throat> in the New American Standard, we, meaning the Apostle Paul, proclaim him, Jesus, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man, what? Complete in Christ. You know, this is the standard. This is God's purpose for us is to be Christ-like and to be complete in Christ. In another version, in the NIV, it says, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone, what? Fully mature in Christ. Do you see what I'm getting, guys? You know, you will grow up either to be men and women of the world or men and women who are Christ-like. And the Christian purpose for all of us, God saved us to become Christ-like. And that's the result that we would like you and I to have. Christians, you were made to be Christ-like for the glory of God. My question for us this morning is, are you? And if you're not yet there, you're saying, yeah, I'm a work in progress. I'll get there. The next question I have for you is, will you? It's one thing for you to be not Christ-like, but it's another thing for you to desire to become better and be Christ-like. Will you? Christians, will you? Disciples, will you be like your Savior, Jesus Christ? You know, many of you probably said, you know, Pastor Dan, I really have tried. I've tried to understand it because in CCF, I really started to understand what it is. I tried, but like my New Year's resolution, they fade. <laughs> I go to plan B. Okay. What's plan B? Vacation muna. Balik na lang next year. Plan B. I hope that we stop doing that and seriously, as we go through 2014, and as, as a group of people committed to grow in Christ-likeness, we will plan much more effectively this year so that we can really become the kind of Christians that God wants us to be that will eventually multiply. You pray for the leadership. You pray for us. You pray for all of us, in fact, that we pursue okay, this, this single-minded resolution of being more and more Christ-like. Why do we fail most of the time? Why is it that we make, when we make a New Year's resolution, we fail? The reason why I'm sharing this with you is because I'm asking you to make a resolution to be Christ-like. And if you don't understand the dynamics of making a resolution, you will also fail. And we will just go back to the cycle of what? Plan B, plan B, plan B. Not getting any better year on year. Right, Bobby? So, I want you to know why this usually happens. There are two major reasons why your New Year's resolution are failing or why if we decide to become Christ-like, we will fail. What are the two reasons? Number one, lack of intentionality. Meaning, we don't have a strong motivation to pursue it. Right? You know, if I were to tell you that Christ-likeness 
is so compelling and it's so important in your life, like air is to you, man, you will pursue it, right? But you will not until you see it. So there's got to be an understanding. There's got to be an opening that has to happen here so that you and I will understand what or how important Christ-likeness is to our life. By the end of this message, I would like you to see that there is a strong and compelling reason why you should be Christ-like. And when you understand it, I hope you will never give it up. Never give it up like it is air to you and you need it for survival. Number, number two reason, lack of power. We always depend on our own power, right? We start, we start to plan on something big, but you realize, hindi ko kaya. Tigil na lang natin. That's what happens. And these are the two problems that I would like to address. How do you approach this and come up with a solution? What is the approach or a solution to this problem of lack of intentionality and lack of power? That was my introduction to the message. Okay? And this is my message. Okay? My message to you this morning is this. Enjoy your Christ-likeness. Say to each other, enjoy your Christ-likeness. Many people, not only... Not only don't they know what Christ-likeness means, okay, and never pursue it, that's why they don't do it. But for some people who know what Christ-likeness is, they have the wrong concept of it, they avoid it, and in fact, they don't enjoy it. Oh, really? Are you sure, Pastor Dan? Do you, you don't know what you're talking about. Do you mean Christ-likeness can be enjoyed? Alamo. My understanding of Christ-likeness is, ano eh, is parang do this, do that, do this, do that, and dami, you know? And as a result, to me, it's, it's legalism. And it's like conditional, you know? You, you're totally wrong, okay? I would like you to have a mind change this morning, and I would like you to understand that the key to being Christ-like is to enjoy Christ-likeness. What are the things that you enjoy the most? Hmm, Nate, you smile. Gym? Why do you guys go to the gym? You know, do you enjoy gym? Maybe not. But there's a reason why you see yourself being, you know, very handsome, shapely, and everything like that. Right? You go to the gym because you enjoy it. I don't know what you enjoy in the gym. Maybe you see a lot of other people there. But, you know, guys, some of you, what do you enjoy doing? When you enjoy it, you keep doing it, right? And, you know, and my proposition this morning is this. Let's enjoy Christ-likeness. Oh, really? Can it be enjoyed? Yeah. How? Enjoy Christ-likeness? Really? How? Well, number one, of course, know Christ. And therefore, no Christ-likeness. If you don't know Christ, and you don't know what Christ-likeness is, how can you possibly enjoy it? Right? Number two, begin enjoying and delighting in your Christ-likeness. Okay? This may sound very repetitive, but bear with me. I will try to show it. First of all, know Christ. Know Christ as he lived in the human flesh. How did Christ live? Picture in your mind when Christ was walking on earth. What did he do? Well, number one, he healed the sick without charging exorbitant fees, right? He was healing the sick. Wow. Wow. Can you imagine? Healing the sick. What happens when a person gets well? There's a lot of joy and happiness, right? Wow, I'm well. I'm healed. I'm healed. Okay? And you know what? That, if, that's what Jesus, if that's what Jesus did... You and I can also be like that. We can help people get well, by the way. Okay? Not physically, probably, or yes, sometimes physically, through the power of God through us, but we can encourage people to get well emotionally, spiritually, and otherwise. Yes or no? Right? 
He loved the unlovable. Ooh, Jesus loved the unlovable. He loved the first class tax sinners, collectors, prostitutes. He loved lepers. Yuck, I don't like that. If that's what it means to be Christ-like, I don't like that. Yeah, but if you, don't, if you take a close look of the value of this to people around you, you'll begin to see, hmm, this, this is beginning to make sense. He forgave those who offended and hurt him. That's what Jesus did. What else? He opposed the hypocrites and the self-righteous who burdened the helpless. That's what Jesus did. And then he gave hope to the hopeless. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but this is exactly what Jesus did. And you know what? This, this, is, this, may, still not be this may still be difficult to understand, but before you can do what Christ did, you have to have a mindset or an attitude that you ought to understand so that you can become Christ-like. And Philippians 2, 3 to 16, explains that. The Apostle Paul says, this is the key. You want to become Christ-like? You want to do what he did? Imitate him and have this mindset. Okay? Starting with verse 3 particularly. He said, don't do anything for selfish purpose. But with humility, think of others as better than yourself. Instead of each person watching out for their own good, watch out for what is better for others. Wow. You, 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 you want to be Christ-like? This is the key. Do not do anything for selfish purposes. And then he continues in verse 5. Adopt the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Here we go. Though he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal with God something to exploit. Do you understand what's going on with Christ here? He emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and becoming like human beings. When he found himself in the form of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then he moves on. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, innocent children of God surrounded by people who are crooked and corrupt. Among these people, you shine like stars in the world. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that is Christ-likeness. Do you see exactly what it is? Let me show you again, up close. It says in, in Philippians 2, verse 3, don't do anything for selfish purposes. If you want to be Christ-like, it's very simple. Be selfless. Remember the New Year's resolution of George? Less versus more. Okay? I would like to submit to you that if you and I are to become Christ-like, we have to become selfless. Exactly the opposite of who we are. Selfish. Continue. It says, but with humility, think of others as better than yourself. What is that? Be humble. Okay, so what's Christ-likeness? Let me, let me simplify it, guys. Let me simplify what Christ-likeness is. it means. It's just being selfish, being selfless rather, and being humble. Okay? It's just being selfless and being humble. Now, let me ask you a question. You know, uh, how can you enjoy this? To be selfless, to be humble. Can I really enjoy that? Talo yata ako dyan. Okay? Parang api ako dyan. How can I possibly enjoy that? You know, uh, I don't know with you, but if you take a look at the first part, look at what Christ did. Look at exactly what Christ did. Though he was in the form of God, he did not consider being equal with God something to exploit. If there is one person who has all the right to be God, it is God. But what did he do? He did not claim it. That is humility in all its essence. 
And then what did he do in verse 7? He emptied himself, taking the form of a bond slave. That is selflessness, right? So if I were, if I were to distill this, what exactly did Jesus do that you and I have to do? Okay? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Christ likeness to me, in very simple terms, is this selfless humility to the point of death. But, Danny, how can we enjoy that? It doesn't make sense to me. Please. You're, you're crucifying me. You're making life difficult for me. Let me show you how to enjoy it. Go back. Go back to Philippians 2. Look at the first part, particularly verse 1, 2, before the command, don't do anything from humility. Selfless humility. Look at this. Look at verse 1. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, Complete my joy, there's joy, and joy, by thinking the same way, having the same love, being united, and agreeing with each other. You know what I discovered? Listen, listen. This is what I discovered. If you want to have a joyful life, if you want to have a peaceful life, if you want to have unity, if you want to have harmony, in life, you need to be selflessly humble. If you and I are Christ-like, and you and I are to practice selfless humility to the point of death, believe me, believe me, you will experience the joy of the fullness of life. These two guys... Remember how they look when they were married? They look very young. These two guys, if they are Christ-like to each other, will remain sweet and loving as they are looking today in this picture. But the moment they become selfish, the moment they become proud, you will see a split in this picture. Do you see this picture? This is a picture of two proud men trying to pin one woman. Okay? Right? See? You know, kawawa naman si Ate Look at there, at the back. But you know what? Look at them. That's a picture of joy. You know why? Because that's a picture of selflessness on the part of the woman behind. And you know, and he's trying to tell his two boys, be Christ-like. Okay? No, simply, really, you know, to me, the result of a happy family togetherness is when people become Christ-like because they give up their selfishness, they give up their pride, and put humility and selflessness in the picture. Yes or no? And Atisu, I don't know with you, but are you enjoying this? Right? I can see you smiling in spite of, you know, being behind. You know why? You know why? Because you can enjoy your Christ-likeness. And when you start enjoying your Christ-likeness, seeing the benefit of what? Harmony. Seeing the benefit of unity. Seeing the, the benefit of being joyful. You will start saying, hey, I'm beginning to enjoy this Christ-likeness and I will continue to be selfless and I will continue to be humble. Look at this. You see this family? You know, they're all enjoying riding in a bike. I don't know how this is, okay? But believe me, this family will continue enjoying what they're enjoying if they all practice humility and selflessness. This family will continue to be happy. And that's what I mean by enjoy Christ-likeness. Enjoy the benefit of being Christ-like. Look at this next family, okay? Okay. They, they can forget who they are because they are enjoying what it means to be together. Right? But the moment, believe me, the moment these people stop being Christ-like, the moment these family members start to think of themselves and begin to think only of their rights, 
you will see this family not smiling, but sulking and crying. What about the young people? Okay? The young people. You want to be united? Look at me. You're all in one row. You're very united right now. Except that guy at the very end. I don't know who that guy is. Who, that guy, Chris. I think he's uh, not part of the young people. Okay? Right? You know, you want to you wanna, you wanna stick together? You want to function like a, a D group that will explode and grow? Okay? Look at me. Practice Christ-likeness. When you're Christ-like, you're not selfish. You're not going to say, oh, our small group is better. Our, our lake group, our Lakewood Bible study group is better than all of you. Okay? You know what? There's one Bible study group that I really, really admire. Valencia. Okay? They don't eat. They just pray. That's why nobody goes there. There's no food. Okay? And they're very Christ-like. No, I'm just kidding. Guys, if we're Christ-like in this place, nobody will say, our group is better than yours. You know? No. Dapat dito yan kasi Lakewood yan. Dapat dito yan kasi Rosemead yan. Dapat dito yan. No, you know, see, that's selfishness. That's pride. But that's what we're trying to get rid of in Christian life. The Christian life is all about Christ-likeness and it's all about humility and selflessness for the glory of God. Amen? Napaka-simple. And I would like you to enjoy that. You know, eto pa. No? Papakita ng, uh, hindi ko alam kung anong ginagawa niya, pero okay lang. Okay? More Christ-likeness. More Christ-likeness. Okay. What is more Christ-likeness? Another, it says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. You want to be Christ-like? Don't grumble. Don't argue. Because arguing is a picture of what? Selfishness. Arguing is a picture of pride, isn't it? Grumbling is a picture of what? Pride. Grumbling is a picture of selfishness. Why did you not give this to me? Why did you not do this for me? Right? That's not Christ-like. Christ-like is what? Selfless. Oh, it's okay. I don't mind. Uh, it's okay. You know, uh, you didn't give me anything. It's okay. Uh, my God will take care of me. Right? That's Christ-likeness. Don't grumble. Don't argue. Why? So that, so that you may be what? Blameless and pure. And look at this. Innocent children of God. Surrounded by people who are crooked and corrupt. Among these people, you shine like stars. Mm, I like this. When you are Christ-like, you begin to inspire people around you because you become light. And when you are light, I enjoy that because I feel good about being able to help other people. Enjoy your Christ-likeness because your Christ-likeness will really lift you up. It is what you call selfless humility. Now, if you are deeply Christ-like, selflessly humble unto death, let me ask you a question. Can you help heal the sick without charging exorbitant fees? Answer? Yes, you can pray for them. You can actually lift them up and encourage them because you are selfless and humble. If you are Christ-like, can you love the unlovable? The politicians? The lepers, the prostitutes, those who are so unlovable, can you love them? In fact, your neighbor, can you love your neighbor? The people around you, whom you love, but you're having difficulty loving because they're so selfish, can you love them? Yeah, if you're Christ-like. If you are Christ-like, if you are selfless and you're humble. Can you forgive those who offended you and hurt you? Yes or no? If you're Christ-like. You see, you know, the benefit far outweighs the effort that you put. And that's why I would like you to have a mindset of enjoying your Christ-likeness. Until you enjoy Christ, until you enjoy your Christ-likeness, you will never desire to be Christ-like. Can you model hope to the hopeless? You know, I'm sure. You know, one of these days you will see somebody crying or probably being sad in the corner office or whatever, wherever you are, and you will have the opportunity to ask, why, can I help you? Can I pray for you? And you're right there modeling hope to the hopeless. 
Why? Because you are selfless. You're humble. You think of the other person as more important than yourself. You're Christ-like in every way, and you're going to do it the way Christ like Christ did it. You can model love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You can all be that. And believe me, it will impact the people around you. In fact, you if you're Christ-like, you can do the less so easily without any effort. And you can avoid the more so easily without any effort. Because the more, if you take a look at it, it's all about being selfish. <laughs> the more is all about being proud. But the less, as you can see, is all about being selfless and all about being humble. Yes or no? Does that make sense? Right? And if you and I are Christ-like, we will have a wonderful time together. You can enjoy your life like this picture. You know, I'm too bad Bogey is not here. Okay? I've, I've never seen him with so many hair in the picture earlier. But you know, you can enjoy life. The point I'm trying to say is this. You cannot be Christ-like unless you enjoy your Christ-likeness. Enjoy your Christ-likeness. And I would like to start, actually, I was, I was, you know, God spoke to me and said, you know, Danny, maybe you can develop a Bible study or a message series on enjoying Christ. Because if you enjoy your Christ-likeness, many of us will have a compelling reason to be Christ-like. Yes or no? Yes. You know, enjoy your Christ-likeness. Number one, it's going to be a life full of what Philippians 2, 3-16 is saying. You know, I came up with acrostic too. Pastor Nate is not the only expert on acrostic. I can do acrostic too, okay? So, enjoy your Christ-likeness. Number one, like I said, what, what is the problem why we fail to do our, our New Year's resolution? Lack of intentionality, right? Lack of, of decisiveness. Lack of willingness to do it. And then lack of power. You know, let's replace number one with a life full of motivation. A life full of Christ. Christ. See, a life of conquest or victory over sin. I like that. Can you enjoy that? Come on, guys, be honest. Can you enjoy that? I'm sure. What about a life of hope? I will enjoy that. A life of rejoicing. I like that. A life of inspiration. What do you mean inspiration? I will be an inspiration to the people out there who are hurting. And I can be an example of hope. And I like that. And I will enjoy that because it brings me fulfillment to help people. Isn't that a way to enjoy Christ-likeness? You know, many times we fail and then a life of success. Believe me, if you're Christ-like, you'll be successful. Not in the definition of the world of success, but in the definition of what God means by success. You will be successful. And finally, you'll be thankful. You know, pray for me that I'll be developed a series of messages on this one. Because I would like us to enjoy our Christ-likeness by having a life full of Christ. Conquest, hope, rejoicing, inspiration, success, and thankfulness. And finally, a life powered by a superpower. And that superpower is the Holy Spirit. Because through the Holy Spirit, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay? So, here is what we're going to do. Enjoying my Christ-likeness, 2014 resolution for followers of Christ. Okay? To grow in Christ-likeness year after year so that I will eventually have disciples who will do the same. Here is the plan. And I, this will be the plan for everybody. Okay? I mean everybody, please. If we are going to become part of a disciple movement, let's make this our plan. In addition to all of the other plans that you like to do. Okay? And the plan is, I'll be more Christ-like in 2014 than in 2013. In the specific areas of one, two, three, four, depending on how you want to fill in the blanks. Okay? And then, in my self-rating, I would be honest. I will come up with a rating of my Christ-likeness today. I will date it, and then I will have a chance to review it month after month after month 
and to see to it that I am progressing in my rating, hopefully moving from 1 to 2 to 3 to 4 and eventually to 10. Is that okay? Hello? Does that make sense to us? You know why? Because if you do that, you will be Christ-like and you will enjoy your Christ-likeness. Your life will be full of Christ. Christ means conquest over sin. H means what? Hope. I means an inspiration to others. S means success. And T means thankfulness. You will be full of that and you will begin to enjoy it. Rate yourself. Rate yourself. Rate yourself. And there will be a group discussion questions for us. And like I said, before we have lunch, okay, let's have a 20-minute discussion. Anyway, we don't have GLC. We don't have anything. We will, we will resume that before we have lunch. I would like us to go through this group discussion questions to ensure that we all get into this mode at the start of the year. Um, if you don't have a group, you can see me. We can have a group here in front. But those of you who normally meet, okay, go ahead and meet. First question, I now see that Christ, I now see that Christ likeness is not a legalistic religious task, but rather something I can be that I will enjoy and delight in. Do you agree or you disagree? Please discuss it. Because if the message is not clear, hopefully in your discussion, your discussion group leader can clarify it. Why or why not? And then number two, I will complete my discipleship 2014 resolution. After I rate my personal Christ-likeness today, I will determine areas I can be Christ-like than selfish and proud. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this new year. It's a very hard message, Lord, for us to learn and for us to digest. But in the power of your Spirit, Lord, I pray that if there's one thing we would like you to clear to us, Lord, is that we can enjoy Christ-likeness in the same way that we can enjoy parties, in the same way that we can enjoy our favorite hobby or anything that will give us joy and delight. I pray, Lord, that you will make us see that Christ-likeness is enjoyable because Christ-likeness is a picture of, of unity, is a picture of harmony is a picture of success it's a picture of of everything that you created us to be and in fact lord make us see that the opposite is just disaster lord we've, we've lived long enough to know that selfishness and pride destroys so many of us and, and i pray lord that we will make a resolve to replace that Replace that pride and selfishness with selflessness and humility to the point of death. Because, because that will bring in the kind of life that you designed for us. And if we do it and function the way solely for what you created us, we will all be excellent men and women of God. Lord, I pray that you will make us a resolve to be single-mindedly focused on making, on being more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. And not take this for granted, Lord, because through this, you can use us mightily for your glory, for your praise, for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.